Well, all righty, church, we do have three purposes. Love Jesus with all our hearts. Journey together in loving biblical community. And then go outside the walls, bring hope, bring the hope and love of Jesus Christ throughout Houston and throughout the world. Now, of those three purposes, the one where we struggle the most, very common for churches to struggle, is that second one, journey together. Now, there are some reasons for it, but I want to unpack it a little bit today, and we're going to look together at what God's got to say about journey together. Now, in a general sense, we journey together on Sunday mornings. We're all here together to to worship, to study God's Word. We, we give together. We teach our children, our students together. There's some journey together on Sunday mornings, but it's limited because you've got a lot of people here. But from home to home, from house to house, from group to group, uh, that's where we can really go deeper with journey together. Now, there is a classic passage in the Bible when it comes to journey together, and that is Acts 2, which is the birth of the church. When God, you know, it was Israel throughout the Old Testament, Jesus came, said, I, I will build my church. And then he, God pours out the Holy Spirit after the resurrection, 50 days later, and the church is birthed in Jerusalem. And when that happens, all this commotion is going on. A great crowd gathers where the church is in Jerusalem. Peter, the leader of the church, stands up, anointed by the Spirit of God, and preaches Jesus Christ and his uh, salvation for us, 3,000 people come to Christ at one time. Now, there were only 120 believers in the early church before that, and then 3,000 come to Christ. And then God gives us a portrait, a picture, a model, a template of what life is to be like in the church. This is what he says. It's in Acts 2, and if you'd stand, I'm going to read that passage. Acts 2 beginning in verse 41. Peter just stood up and preached. 41. So, those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done throughout through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's Word. Please be seated. So church, can you imagine that? I mean, life in the early church, what that must have been like? I mean, the atmosphere would have been carbonated with the Holy Spirit. Must have been an amazing place. It was not a perfect place. If we read on the next several chapters, we'd see problems inside and outside and uh, opposition inside and outside. They get some problems, but it was an incredible place fueled by prayer and filled with the Spirit. 
And this was the characteristics. This was the description. This is what life is like in the early church. And God is giving us a picture of the early church, not so we can replicate specific details when they met, how, how many times they met, exactly how to do little details, but so we can understand the big picture of the church, the purpose, the characteristics, the nature of the church, for example. Uh, all throughout the New Testament, we've got a plurality of leaders, elders, they're called, overseeing the church. And, and, and we should model that. If you move to Timbuktu, find a church with biblical elders that has a plurality of leaders, not just one guy calling the shots and not just elections. But it doesn't tell you how many elders to have, how often they should meet, what day of the week they should meet, none of the details. Big picture, plurality of leaders. That's the church in the book of Acts. All righty. In this passage, there are nine characteristics that make up the church. Want to know what defines the church? It's these nine characteristics. Here they are. Beginning in verse 41, there's baptism. All the 3,000 Jewish people, mostly Jewish, who came to Christ were baptized. There are no unbaptized believers in the New Testament. So if you haven't been baptized, get baptized. You can Write it on your cornet card or something like that, in baptism. Secondly, leadership. You see that with the apostles' teaching. And later you see it, uh, another mention of the apostles. They had leaders. Those apostles gave way to elders when they passed out, when they went on. All right, thirdly, they had a Bible teaching. The teaching of the Bible, that would be uh, Old Testament, and now it would be Old Testament and New Testament for us. They were, uh, fourthly, they had the fellowship. Journey together, they fellowship. Fifthly, the breaking of bread, and that's biblical shorthand for communion. That's what they called it. And it was that breaking the bread. So they had communion, very important. They had prayer, of course. They had giving. They freely, generously gave. They worshiped. They were praising God. They were meeting in the temple for worship celebration. And they had mission. They were reaching out beyond themselves, outside the walls. People were coming to Christ. Church, that that's what a church is, those nine things. Now, this morning, we're going to focus on one of those characteristics, and that is fellowship. There are two different places in that brief eight verses, seven verses, that talk about it. First of all, in 42, and they devoted them. The they is the 3,000 people who came to Christ and the 120 who already were there. This 3,000 people, they devoted themselves. I mean, they were dead serious about the apostles' teaching, the Word of God. We got that. And to the fellowship, the community, the journey together to the breaking of bread, communion, and to prayer. Now, we really get uh, the importance of Scripture for our spiritual life. We get prayer, the importance of that. We get serving, other things like that. But church, fellowship, community, journeying together, we are to be devoted to that, <laughs> devoted to it, just like in the early church. Now, the word here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, has become a famous sort of Greek word. The Greek word is koinonia, and now it's an English word. It's come into our language. You could probably look it up in a dictionary, certainly an online dictionary that's kept up. Uh, you see the word koinonia, and this is what it means. It means sharing, sharing. So what are you sharing? You're sharing your life. You're sharing your heart. You're, you're doing life together. You're not a lone ranger. You're not walking alone, but you're sharing life together. It's fellowship. It's sharing. It's koinonia. It's uh, community. All those things. It's journey together. They were devoted to it. If, you, if a church group doesn't have community, it's not a real church. 
If they're just there studying the Bible and doing some other things, without community, it's not a real church. So there's got to be caring, loving, uh, mutually supportive, praying relationships, or we are going to be missing out on all that God has for us. Now, let me ask a question. Um, this church had 3,000 people here in Jerusalem. So how do they have fellowship with each other? I mean, they, did they know all 3,000? Well, of course not. You can't know that many people, not in any significant sense. So this is what they had. They had the large group celebration at the temple, and they had small groups from house to house. And that's what we do at Wood's Edge. That's what churches do. They have the large group and the small group, just like the template here. And you see that in verse 46, as you read on, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They had the both. You know, they, they didn't have a big church building. They, they, you know, they're brand new and they're about to get persecuted. So this is what they did. In the heart of the old city of Jerusalem today, you can find the Temple Mount, and you can go up to the Temple Mount, and that was the temple grounds. And they just gathered up there from time to time and worshiped and praised Jesus. And so they had the large group celebration on top of the Temple Mount at the temple. But they also met in homes where they could look eye to eye and care for one another and probe in and pray and, and encourage and challenge and, and talk about fears and and that was where the real community would take place, where they could really share, koinonia, share their lives. They had the large group and the small group, and so do we. So do we. In fact, if any church around the world, I'd say is bigger than 50 people, they need the large group and the small group. Maybe if you have 50 people, it could be a big, small group. But anything bigger, uh, you need small groups too. And church, if you do this, it really doesn't matter how big the church is. But as long as you've got the small groups within it. So a church can be at the same time a large church and a small church if they have small group community. All righty. Joe mentioned the phrase that we want to bring church home. That is, all the things, all those nine characteristics that you do together as a big church, you can also do in the home church. And so we call our groups home church groups. Now, we could just call them home groups. That's a common title, small groups, home groups, life groups. You can use those titles. But with the term home church groups, we're just underscoring this is church too. So it's not just church on Sunday morning at Gosling. It is also church at West Crest of Bend where I live and throughout the community. You bring church home. You can do all the things. You can do teaching. You can baptize in the backyard if you've got a pool. Go down to the Y. You can uh, worship. You can uh, do all kinds of missional things. Uh, large group and small church, you bring church home. You can do all the same things. So, church is not, church is not an activity that you attend. It is the people you belong to, where you share life together. And there's got to be some group of people that you're sharing your life with, or you are missing out on the way God designed you to be. So, let's be crystal clear. The church is not the building. It's the people. We, we have existed since November 93, so 24 years. The first 10 years almost, we had no building. We didn't own a building. We were Sally K. Ride. We were Montgomery College, now Lone Star College, and uh, we were renting space. We, we had, no, had no building. Uh, now, there's advantages of owning a campus. Those of us who set up chairs and for years, I mean, there's some advantages of having your own building. But this building is not Woods Edge Community Church, is it? That Temple Mount was not... Jerusalem church, was it? 
And it wasn't our homes. It's the people in those places, wherever we are. Sometimes we're together here on a Sunday or a Wednesday. Sometimes we're meeting house to house. Sometimes we're scattered throughout the city and the world. That's Wood's Edge. That's the church. Not the building, but the people. And we want to not only gather here, we want to bring church home so it can be more personal, face-to-face, heart-to-heart. All right, church, let's get a little more practical. What, what kind of groups do we have at Wood's Edge? Number of groups. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have young adult groups. That is, Joey Swenson, Karen Swenson lead the edge on Thursday nights. Mostly younger folks are in the 20s, single and married, by the way. Got young adult groups. We have Sunday morning classes, which really, in many ways, function as groups, but they're held here on Sunday mornings. We have student groups. In fact, as Joe mentioned, uh, on Wednesday nights, our student ministry meets, you know, one building over, and they have 25 groups on Sunday night. My daughter, Callie, our daughter, Callie, uh, leads one of those groups, and she's at Freedom this weekend, but, but that's the heart of our student ministry life, those groups led by people like Callie. So we have student groups. We have specialty groups, for example. Uh, there, there's a group that if you struggle with pornography, with addictions, that you can, in a very private way, join, go online. You can't even meet somebody here about it. You go online, sign up for this uh, sexual addiction group. And there's a, a wives counterpart to that. But we have specialty groups also. We also have serving groups and ministry groups. That is, that they gather together with the explicit purpose of doing ministry together. And I'm going to tell you an example about that a little bit later on. So we have all kinds of groups. But our bread and butter is home church groups. For various reasons, this is our bread and butter. Now, every, we need all kinds of groups. But our bread and butter is the home church groups. Now, for example, on Tuesday morning, a number of you guys uh, meet uh, Tuesday mornings uh, right out there in the cafe I think, uh, about 30 of you. Uh, for, and you do, you do all the sort of things you could also do in a home. But it's just convenient to meet up here. So that's really the same thing, same purposes. You're bringing church home, making it real and personal, heart to heart. But we have all kinds of groups. But the bread and butter, the baseline, it's just what we see here in the book of Acts. Those are home church groups. Let me describe them. Let me paint you some pictures. Here's the Mutchink group. I think I saw Lance and Julie over there somewhere. And uh, sure enough, um, okay, the, 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 the folks in this group, it's a great group. And uh, if you look closely, you can see they're all young. And uh, there's probably tons of kids in that group if they would bring them out. And um, that they've had, don't do a lot of things, but they've stuck together. They pull together. And it's a wonderful group. It's, it epitomizes the sort of thing that we want to be about. Uh, they were asked, what, what are some of the things you guys do as part of a home church group? And this is what they sent. We watch each other's children. That'd be reason alone to get in there. Um, we do house chores for each other. We stop by with hot meals. We give items to each other. We serve together in the community. We support each other through texts and calls. We have accountability time. We reach out and invite others into the group. We disciple one another. We pray for one another, and we worship God together. Friends, that's home church group in action. That's how you bring church home when it's not just on Sunday mornings with a a bunch of folks, but uh, house to house, you also, you go deeper. Julie Mutschink, Lance and Julie give leadership to the group. Julie said this, these people in our group feel like family. And that's what true biblical community is all about. They feel like family. 
That's one group. Second group, Kevin and Dana Van Hook. I, I, maybe Kevin and Dana are in the house this morning, but they lead another home church group that is multi-generational from young couples to older people in age. They do the three-thirds Bible study approach, and, and uh, just to explain that just a bit, that is a uh, a way of meeting together in a group that God is just using all over the world. It involves praying for each other, caring for one another, um, reaching out uh, to, to others. It involves studying the Bible together where there's no one teacher, but you ask a few basic questions together of the Bible passage. You know, what does it say to about God? What's it say about us? What, what am I going to obey? That kind of thing. That's what they do, three-thirds. All righty. Part of their group, they share their struggles, they share their hearts, they share their lives, how God has worked in their lives. Now, here's a story that came up because Dana had a friend, uh, Claudia. Uh, this friend was from Mexico City, and she was teaching her English. She te- Cla- uh, Dana teaches ESL. Um, I'm going to point out Dana, blonde down the front center in that picture. Uh, Dana teaches ESL, and she, she was teaching uh, uh, Claudia uh, Spanish and some private tutor lessons. She said, we bond, we loved each other immediately. And for several years, they were together. Now, Claudia and her husband, Carlos, came from Mexico City, business owners, had five small children, and they, they, they knew the Van Hooks. And the Van Hooks decided, you know, we need to reach out and invite them to our group. So they did. And uh, Dana said it was our dream to invite Claudia and her husband, Carlos, to our home church group. They had a church background, but they knew and respected God from a distance. In fact, Claudia had a fearful view of God as a capricious taskmaster. Well, they joyfully accepted our invitation to the group. So they were hungry to join us, even though English was not their first language. And as our group met together over the time, Claudia and Carlos were amazed at who Jesus really was. And they were getting to know who God was by doing life together in the group. One day, Claudia said to Dana, really, Dana, now I know that God is sweet and kind and not mean. He is involved in my everyday life. He wants to know me intimately. It's because of all of you beautiful people. Carlos and I are so grateful to God for all of you and this time we've had. It's amazing the change in our hearts. Now, church, when you think about that you can change eternities, and you know what's going to happen to those kids, they're going to come to Christ and love Jesus. I mean, church, that's that's why we're on the planet, (laughs) not to have bigger and more stuff, but to reach with Christ's love people like Claudia and Carlos. All righty. Third, third example involves some, some women's groups. Now, uh, we have a, a bunch of women's groups uh, each semester, fall and spring, and some meet on Monday night. Some meet on Tuesday morning. Well, one meets on Tuesday morning. It's called Starting Right. It's particularly for young moms. And then there's a bunch of women's groups on Thursday, Thursday morning here. And these groups that uh, they gather for community, for fellowship, to care for one another, to walk together, and they also gather for discipleship. So they want to grow in Christ. They're studying the Bible. They're praying for each other. So those are two purposes for all of our women's groups. In fact, for all of our groups, we want real community and we want discipleship. We want to grow in Christ. But last fall, they're, they're meeting in their groups, and Hurricane Harvey hits, and that added a different dimension. Because with all of the pain and the pathos out there, they decided we're going to jump in together to help flood victims. And that gave them a third component, mission. They had community with each other. They had discipleship growing in Christ. And now they had mission reaching out. And and here's a little bit of the story. They formed, they got a Facebook page with a great title. It was called Harvey Who? And um, 
So that was their Facebook page. Hundreds of people joined. Donations came in. Uh, people were mobilized. They would go out in all times of the day and into the night to serve and to help. This is the, the picture you're currently seeing. is just one example of uh, a group of three out serving and helping people. Um, it was interesting because they say that uh, not only was it an incredible ministry to the Hurricane Harvey victims, but it was an incredible ministry back to us who were doing the serving. A few testimonies of that. Lisa Bullock, helping the victims of Harvey not only brought me closer to my Woods Edge sisters, but also filled my soul spiritually. Did you catch that? The community and the discipleship right in that sentence. Helping the victims of Harvey not only brought me closer to my Woods Edge sisters, but also filled my soul spiritually. Knowing that I was being the hands and feet of Christ brought me closer to God in a way I have never experienced before. Now, church, we just saw a profound insight into the, into the Scriptures and how God made you. When you not only experience community, when you not only try to grow in Christ together, but when you go outside yourselves to do mission, that's when you're really going to bond in community, and that's really when you're going to grow in Christ. It's just the way God made you. Let me just give you a, a current-day example in another sphere. Do you know where the best community is in American society week by week for m many ways? It's sports. It's sports. I mean, where else are you going to find a group of 21-year-olds, uh, men, uh, grabbing, locking arms because they're so nervous at the end about winning that game? I mean, they bond in sports. I know that from my past experiences. It's because they got mission. They're not getting together just, hey, guys, let's be good friends. And they're not getting together just to learn more about football. They got mission. And other things are deepened around it, community and discipleship. All right, some more quotes. I want to elaborate each one like that. Jenny Ram, right down the front row, said, Seeing the faces of those receiving the aid, toilet paper, water, etc., and praying over them was life-changing. The entire experience has been a reminder to be His light everywhere I go and to everyone I meet. Nina Calderon, also right in the front row, to see God take action in my husband's heart as he and others got into the waters to rescue people from their homes was so rich. Britton Polk, for the first time in my life, I was faced with great tragedy in my own backyard. My brothers and sisters in Christ rallied together to give everything they had to provide and to love complete strangers. Hearing about the hands and feet of Jesus and singing in action are two different things. It is singing in action that would change your life forever. One more, Jennifer Buffard. The storm may have blown roofs off our homes and flooded our walls, but God's mercy blew the scales off our eyes and flooded our hearts. Um, they got mission, and it took community and discipleship to deeper levels. And um, really, we want all three components in a group. Whether or not it starts about community or starts about discipleship or starts about mission, all three are just kind of warp and woof of these groups, home church groups. All righty, one more quick example. This one involving men. There's a group. Percy, are you in the house? I saw you earlier. Inside out dads. I'm not seeing him now. He's about 6'5". I'd see him if he was here, I think. All right. Uh, uh, inside out dads are a group of eight men at Woods Edge who every Sunday afternoon drive to a prison in Navasota. Now, if you're looking at those guys, you're saying, Jeff, that's not eight. That's about 50, 60, 70. Well, the guys in white are incarcerated men at the prison in Navasota. The guys about midway back are red and red shirts and black shirts. That's Percy on your far left, the tall guy. 
And those are children of those incarcerated fathers. Many of their children are with them. Now, this is what the ministry is about. The whole ministry is about connecting the incarcerated fathers with their children, reconnecting them, teaching them skills of how to love them and, and, and nurture them even while they're in prison. So there are eight men at Wood's Edge. In fact, if you're in those eight here, you can just stand up. I just want to see if there's really a live blood. Okay, there's Ken Brink right there. Just keep standing, Ken. I want to see if he's real. All right, there's one over there. There's Tom Kane. Anybody else? So two of the eight are in this service. And, um, okay, this is what these guys do. They, they get in their cars, or get in their, yep, it'd be two cars, on Sunday afternoon. They drive an hour to Navasota. That's the pack unit, the Wallace pack unit that Woods Edge is involved with, that Vonnie Taylor, David Temple, and others are involved with. Credible ministry. Well, on Sunday afternoon, they drive there, and the, and the Christian prisoners there call them, their, their prison Woods Edge West because Vonnie and others have just, you know, poured their hearts and lives into those folks. Now, this group, they go there with a purpose of focusing on teaching them principles of fatherhood and loving them. And so they started as a missional group. They're going to do mission together. But in the process, they're bonding with one another. They're talking and praying and driving up there and driving back. They're growing in Christ together. Uh, in fact, um, thank you guys. You can sit down. Ken Brink, right there in the middle, he wrote this. He said, I'm so glad I got involved with Inside Out Dads. I feel I have matured spiritually through this experience and have treasured the relationships that I have been able to develop with fellow volunteers and the incarcerated fathers themselves. Life has so much greater meaning when it includes involvement in a ministry like Inside Out Dads. God can use you to change the course of a man's trajectory in life and bless generations to come. And one other from Percy himself who leads the group. Personally, these men who do this together have become close to me like my family. We have many examples where our outreach to fathers has helped us in our relationships with our own kids with their own families. Church, can we just pause and just kind of soak this in, just to understand it? Okay, here's some um, incarcerated men for various reasons who are in this prison unit. Can you imagine? And here are a group of men from the outside who love them, and they pour their lives into them, and they help them reconnect with their kids, hopefully changing the relationships, those father-child relationships forever and coming to Christ, kids coming to Christ, breaking some of the cycles of our, the prison system in the United States, how, you know, the, some of the, the heartache of it. I mean, those men, how big is that? Uh, I bet Ken's got a good job over there, but I bet this is the biggest thing in his life. I mean, he is part of changing eternities and kids and lives. Church, um, that's a mission group. Um, we've got stuff like this going all over Houston, inside Woods Edge, outside Woods Edge, internationally, but all over the Houston area. If you have been praying, some of you for years, maybe decades, Lord, what's your calling for me? What's your, what's your calling for me? For heaven's sake, just get in the game. Do something. Uh, with a world going to hell, with the pain and tragedy all around us? Yes, by all means, seek what God has for you. But do something. And those of you who are retired, for heaven's sake, guys, you have got to be part of the great work of God going on in our planet. Don't miss out on the action.
And you don't have to wait till then. My daughter's got a two-year-old. She's serving in the, in the children's student ministry. Okay. Those were four examples. Let me close with some principles. One, you and I are designed for relationships. You get that? It's not a matter of introvert, extrovert. I don't care how introvert you are. I'm a little bit on the introverted side. I like my alone time, but I desperately need relationships. Last week, I also talked to you about when I had a mental health crisis in 2011 with my obsessive compulsive disorder, and I told you about telling the whole church that, guys, I'm not sure I'm going to survive this. I'm not sure I'm going to make it. And I wanted your prayers, but I also needed a few people to walk with me. And some people here at Woods Edge did, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball. And one of the men in our church met with me for about three years weekly, and I don't know that I'd have made it without him. I need relationships, and so do you. It's not a matter of introvert, extrovert. Uh, You may try to deny... Uh, you're wiring, which you're denying the, the image of God in you, and, and say you don't even, but your soul will wither without meaningful relationship. Babies will die without it. Um, God has made you for a significant community. We're designed for it. We need people. Secondly, there is no community like community in the body of Jesus Christ. I've played sports. I know sports community can be rich, 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 but... Friends, this is a different kind of thing because I am in community with men and women who are my brothers in Jesus Christ and we will share eternity with and we've got the same blood of Jesus Christ running through our veins. We are brothers. We are sisters. I can meet somebody on the other side of the globe, not know them at all, but if they're brothers in Jesus Christ, there's a bond. There's a connection. There is no community possible like community in the family of Jesus Christ. It's just powerful. And so, you need this particularly if you're in Christ. Thirdly, you cannot mature spiritually like God's intended you to without this kind of community and fellowship. That's why the early church, they were devoted not just to the Bible and to prayer and communion, but to the fellowship, to the community. Are you devoted to the community? To building real relationships of loving one another and supporting one another and encouraging one another? That is part of your wiring and you cannot grow adequately without it. You need a group of people who will love you enough and challenge you at times and and pray for you and encourage you and speak into your fears. We all do. If you come on Sunday mornings only, you'll get some things out of it, but you will not grow like you could without some kind of a small group community, a home church group. All right, one more. Ah, That's two more. Um, If you have a group... Where there is real community, life is just so much better and richer. It is. And times it gets harder, and that's why a lot of folks feel group because, you know, relationships mean you've got to learn how to forgive and accept and overlook and things like that. But that's part of your growth. And life is so much better when you live it in community. And in fact, if you come to Woods Edge, say, six months, and you don't get involved with some group of people, you'll probably find the experience very dissatisfying. And you'll wonder, you know, what's wrong with those people there at Woods Edge? And what's wrong with them? And you'll, you'll leave, you'll go find another church, you'll do that six months, and you'll wonder, what's wrong with those people over there? You've got to press in to get some relationships. Let us help you. Let us help you. As Joe said earlier, the Connection Center, when you go out the main doors to the left, they can help you. There's a kiosk right out those two back doors to the left. They can help you. You can go online. Um, let us help you find the right place. All righty, here's my closing call to you. Uh, if you're already in a group, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for leading a group if you lead a group. But strengthen your group. 
make it even better, even richer, what it could be. That Resolute class that Joe talked about starts next week, first service, so it's early, uh, five weeks. Uh, that, that can help you take your group to the next level. Secondly, if you've already got a group, expand your group. Consider doing what Kevin and Dana Van Hook did. Who can we reach out to who needs to be part of this, this group? Expand your group. Thirdly, if you're not in a group at all, join a group. Uh, some kind of group. We got groups in the daytime. We got groups in the morning. We got groups in the evening. We got all kind of groups, men's groups, women's groups. I've talked about those, serving groups, ministry groups. Uh, go to Navasota Prison. Go, you know, find some place to serve. Home church group. Find a group. Join a group. And then finally, um, look around your neighborhood or your apartment building and think, who else in this area goes to Woods Edge? And y'all just start a group together and try to reach your community, your neighborhood. Man, let's invite some of these folks that maybe not Christians at all. Let's love them. Um, see what God might do. Start a group. So four calls, strengthen a group, expand your group, join a group, and start a group. Church, remember this in closing. Remember that our God has always lived in community. Our Father, Son, and Spirit He's always lived as a small group. When God came to the planet, started his ministry, he started a small group, the 12 disciples. He had a small group. Thirdly, when God gives us the picture of the early church, they had the large group and they had the small group. Church, this is your design. Let's go for it. Don't miss out on the action. Stand with me. Lord God, I pray that you would strengthen and bless biblical community here at Woods Edge. Lord God, that we would, Lord, grow the way you want us to grow and together serve and live the life you've called us to. Lord, bless this church, oh God, every single person. Lord, remove any fears, any lies of Satan that anybody's been listening to about groups and acceptance. Lord God, thank you that together as a bunch of imperfect people, Lord God, we can seek you together. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.